Last time on Ill-Equipped History. The Six Wives of Henry VIII. So negotiations to marry Henry VII's son, Arthur, started when both Catherine and Arthur are both infants. Now Arthur's dead. Prince Henry and Catherine married when he was 17 and she was 23. Enter Anne Boleyn in 1526. So Henry wants to marry Anne, but he can't divorce Catherine. So Henry could grant himself the divorce. And thus the Church of England was created. So Henry and Anne were officially married in 1533. Anne died in 1536 by beheading. Within 24 hours of Anne's death, Henry was betrothed to Jane Seymour. That Jane might have been a little shit to Anne. To move because I got a booty call moving in. She did eventually give birth to Henry VIII's first and only legitimate male heir. She died 12 days later. Welcome to Ill-Equipped History. Ill-Equipped History. <laughs> Still working on it. <laughs> it's okay if we never get it. I think it's just our thing now. <laughs> this is our thing. It's our thing. We don't line up ever. <laughs> ever. It's illegal. We're really bad at timing. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this is my part two to the six whys of Henry VIII. Um... We're doing a little different this week. We're not starting out with a skit. Uh, we had a skit on my my first part that really set the scene, but the scene has already been set. Yeah. And also, uh, this one's a little bit of a bummer, and I felt really bad, like writing a haha funny skit about these women's lives that they did not deserve. Um, so. <laughs> So just, I'm just if you um, if you're joining us, if this is your first episode or you haven't listened to the previous episode on the first three wives, please go back um, and listen to that. And you can listen firsthand to Henry VIII becoming the absolute dip shit that he is the monster yes. of a man. So go back yes. and listen uh, the short clips that we played before the intro, it's just not enough. So listen to all that and then come back to us. Come back to this week. Yes. Yes. So we are starting off. So just one really quick backtrack. So where we left off, Jane Seymour, uh, Henry VIII's third wife, has passed away due to complications following childbirth. Henry was completely devastated and he did not marry for two more years which is a long time for that bastard it is a long time enter henry's fourth wife anna of cleves so anna of cleves was born in 1515 uh in germany the specific date is disputed it was pretty chaotic at the time (laughs) so 1515 um records were not the best no no father her father was the duke of cleves her mother was a duchess of hulikberg i think that's how you say it i'm not german i'm sorry so one really cool thing that the documentary i watched discussed is that germany in germany women were allowed to rule over land with no male inheritance bullshit rules oh 
Which is pretty awesome. Yay, Germany. Yeah. So Anna and her sisters were educated on business matters, property management, taxation laws, anything that a man would be educated on as far as running a property and owning land and understanding how to manage it. Yeah. Girls were also taught. She, Fantastic. She looks like she knows what she's doing. Yeah. Like that no, facial she, expression is just... I'm a bad bitch. So this painting we're going to get into because she is known. And I disagree with this sentiment based on my research. But she is known as a woman who catfished Henry VIII. Oh. But again, I disagree. And we'll get into why I disagree in a little bit. Okay. Okay. But this this painting is infamous. And it's one of the only paintings of her. So what, did he see a painting of her first? And yes. then agree to marry her. Yes. And then apparently she showed up not looking like that. Debatable. <laughs> so we'll get into it. Oh, man. Um, so in addition to what Anna was educated on as far as like property management, she was also trained to manage an estate from top to bottom, which included domestic duties like cleaning, mending, all that stuff. So she's a woman of all could, trades. She could do everything. Yes. yes. So she was only educated in German. Uh, she did not know English or any other languages. Um, also, something is really neat. Her sister Sibylla was a friend of Martin Luther. Very cool. Neat. Yeah. I yeah. even wrote neat. Neat. Exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> neat. Um. So when she was 11, she was betrothed to the son of the Duke of Lorraine, but it was nullified when she was 18. So she never married this guy, which she was not sad about. She enjoyed the hunt. She was an accomplished equestrian. Sadly, her father died when she was 23. So around this time, Henry is looking for a new wife, and he's trying to find allies against that pesky Holy Roman Emperor. That we've talked about in the last episode. Yeah. <laughs> Who's his ex-wife's nephew. Um, so, <laughs> I know, it's wild. So, he wanted to ally with Cleves. Mm-hmm. And Henry VIII wanted portraits made of Anna and her unwed sister. And he ended up picking Anna from the portraits. So there is this huge to-do about her journey from Cleves to England. Uh, there's this huge reception. Right. Um, Henry's ambassadors would go to meet her and come back and be like, oh, she's lovely. She looks just like her portrait. She's absolutely gorgeous. Like, so Anna and her entourage got stuck um, before entering England due to bad weather. So Henry thought it'd be a great idea to wear a disguise and just surprise this woman. When he came upon her wearing this disguise, she rebuked him because she didn't recognize him. Right. Because he was in disguise. And he threw a bitch fit about it. He literally stormed away. (laughs) Uh, So he comes back out of his disguise. She is mortified that she did not recognize the king and was super apologetic. But he got his. He was in a disguise. Yeah. But he's the king. How could you not recognize the king? <sighs> so, yeah. No, he was super butthurt about it. Um, and since then, he was like, I don't want to marry her. 
but he already made an agreement. So, like, he was saying, like, he she looks nothing like her portrait. She lied to me. But he made an agreement. Oh. So he was just they ended being, up getting married. He was being a little baby man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they were only married for six months. <laughs> so he claimed on their wedding night that Anna repulsed him and he could not perform and that he even doubted her virginity. <laughs> but I have... he may have also been impotent. So who really I think knows? it was, I think Henry's the problem here. I think so too. Yeah. Um, so he tried to see, cause rem- you remember how there is this contract for Anna to marry the son of the Duke of Lorraine. Right. So Henry tried to see if that was still legitimate so he could annul the marriage. Um, but it wasn't, so he couldn't do anything about it. So Anna really tried to get along with Henry and like, he wasn't a total asshole to her. Like right. from what I saw, like he did treat her nicely. He wasn't, like, beating her up or, like, wishing she'd die or anything. He just didn't want to be married to her anymore because he was butthurt about that thing. But apparently, like, according to Anna, in a documentary I saw, they went to bed every night and he kissed her on the hand and said goodnight and went to sleep. So it wasn't like he was outright hateful to her. Right. It was just really weird. But apparently she also was, like, super inexperienced with the physical aspect of marriage. And apparently they never consummated their marriage. But she had no idea. She had no idea. Like, she she was like, yeah, I sleep with him every night. And then her handmaids were like, okay, but, like, do you sleep with him? And she was like, what? (laughs) Oh, there was just a language barrier the poor girl didn't understand. Well, and, like, she was sleeping with him. Yeah. In the same bed. Physically. But they never, they never were, like, physically intimate with each other. Oh. Um, so anyway. But she was, she was happy. She had a great time. She was content in her marriage. But, again, like, she didn't know a lot of English at the time. Uh, she couldn't really communicate really well. So by the next year, uh, Henry was already seeing his next mistress, Catherine Howard. Please tell me. Who is his next wife? Please tell me she wasn't a lady in waiting. <laughs> she was. Oh, for fuck's sake. I don't I don't think she was Anna's lady in waiting, but I think she was a lady in waiting. He's got a type. He really does. So in fifteen forty, Henry sent Anna away due to quote unquote plague. But he did not leave the area. Um, and three weeks later their marriage was annulled. So the offer of divorce was given to Anna, and at first she really struggled with that decision, but she was thinking, if I don't agree, he may hurt me. I mean, that's a fair... He did cut off one of his wife's heads, so... Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it said that she accepted with grace and dignity and wrote Henry that she hoped he would, she would continue to be graced with his presence, which he really liked. Because she agreed amicably, Henry was extremely generous with her and let her go freely. Mm -hmm. She decided, or if she decided to stay in England, she would have been given an annual sum, annual sum of 4,000 pounds a year. Which I'm sure that was a lot back then. Oh yeah. I can't imagine how much that was. He also renounced what he said at the start of their marriage and said she was still a maiden 
So he had not taken her virginity and that she could still marry someone else. Uh, he also said that she would be henceforth, she would henceforth be known as the king's most beloved sister and that she would be given precedence over all women in England besides the queen and his daughters. And that was her official title in court was the king's sister. Huh. Yeah. Weird. But um, I yeah. don't hate it. I guess. No. I mean, she seemed to be treated I think well. she had the best outcome of yeah, all the wives. I think so. She lived a pretty good life, actually. Um, she was still a member of the court. She had a really good relationship with all of Henry's children, especially Mary. Even after Henry died, like, she was still coming into court and stuff. Wow. Um, in 1557, she died at the age of about 41 or 42. And they think it was probably cancer. Yeah. Um, she was buried in Westminster Abbey and was given special honors by Queen Mary the First. Ah. Yeah. Well, she, she, so did, that's Anna, she did okay. Anna of Cleves. Anna of yeah. Cleves did okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely the... This next one's a bummer. Oh, no. <laughs> Queen number five, Catherine Howard. All right. Okay, hold on. I have a question. I have a question. Yes. How old is Henry at this point? Uh, He's in his late 40s. And they got married when, like, this next wife. She was born in between 1518 and 1527? Yeah. No one knows. Okay. So let's just Um, assume. I'll, I'll get into. I will get into how old she was. Okay. I promise I will tell you. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. So she was born. um, No one knows exactly when her birth date is. She was born to Edmund Howard and Jocasta Joyce Culpepper. Remember the name Culpepper because that's also important. Okay. Um, So she was about six years old when her mother died. Um, She went to go live with her father's stepmother when she was between six and eight years old. So her stepmother was Agnes Howard, who's a dowager duchess of Norfolk. So she was the most prominent noblewoman in England, uh, beneath only the queen and the king's daughters. So she was very fancy. And she basically had like a boarding school that she ran. All these students or children came from all over England to be educated by this woman and learn manners and proper etiquette. Um, So there are many wards and they're, it said between two homes. I don't know if it was just Catherine that went between two, between two homes or if the boarding school was between two homes. I'm not sure. So, and so because there are so many children, Catherine had like lightly had a lot of friends. Right. Um, but the Dowager Duchess had over 100 people living in her household and she was in her seventies. So the structure of this house was minimal at best. Uh, the kids kind of ran wild a bit. They're a little bit more. Your mouth is still open. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about a hundred people, and a lot of those are children. Yeah, probably most of most them. Most of them. Yeah. Wow. Um. So yeah. There, there wasn't a lot going on. So Catherine grew up to be pretty outspoken. Like she was, she was educated in the ways of etiquette, but she didn't give a shit. Okay. Um, like she, like she was like, this is my opinion. I'm not this 
dainty little dignified gal. Right. She's more rowdy, outspoken that than what was considered appropriate at the time, but she was still very kind, very engaging, and people, she was very magnetic. So, like I said, she was educated in conduct, etiquette. She was trained in dance. Apparently, she was an excellent dancer. Um, she could play several different musical instruments. She could read and write. Okay, this is where the bummer starts. Um, it's a real bummer. So... When she was between about 12 and 14 years old, she started taking music lessons from a man named Henry Mannix, who was in his mid-twenties. And he started grooming her. Ew. From what I watched in the documentary, there isn't really any evidence of, like, physical, like a physical relationship mm-hmm. between the two, but they do consider her being sexually abused at this time, whatever that looks like. Right. Um, and her being groomed by oh. this man. Yeah, she was little. But, and then some historians were like, well, she was near the age of marriage in Tudor England anyway, which is 15. Still Ugh. not okay. I still think it's weak. Um, so the, the documentary I watched said that their relationship was not physical, but it lasted for several months. Um, this is really gross. And I'm going to apologize beforehand. So apparently Mannix told a maid in the Duchess's household that while he did desire Catherine sexually, he would never, quote, break her maidenhead. Ugh. So this pissed off Catherine because um, she was a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, she, and she quit music lessons. A, about a year later, a man named Francis Dareham came to the household to serve the Dowager Duchess as her secretary. So he was about in his mid-twenties, and Catherine was about 14 or 15 years old. So Francis and Catherine formed a relationship that lasted between a few, between a few months and two years. This was a physical relationship between the two of them. They called each other wife and husband. They gave each other gifts. And, like, he would even give her control of his money when he went on trips. And so because there's a thing in Tudor England, it's called a pre-contract. Right. And it was very common with couples who were physical before marriage. It was almost like um, an engagement. Right. But they weren't officially engaged. They weren't officially betrothed. But it was even recognized by the church. Oh. So. Uh, Mannix... The gross music teacher was super jealous of this relationship and wrote a letter to the Dowager Duchess outing their relationship. Um, what an asshole. And this pissed her off. So the Duchess sent Dareham away to Ireland, and he promised he'd be back for Catherine, but by the time he did return, she was the Queen of England, oh. or Queen Consort to England. Uh, so in 1539, when Henry was getting ready to marry Anna of Cleves... The Duke of Norfolk, or Catherine's uncle, wanted to add her to the Queen's ladies in waiting. <laughs> so she was Anna, Anna's lady in waiting. Oh, um, no. So very shortly after she came into the court, she met Thomas Culpepper. Culpepper is her mother's maiden name. This was one of her distant cousins. Oh. Uh, so Thomas was one of Henry's closest confidants and was a member of the Privy Chamber. In one of the documentaries I, I saw explain the Privy Chamber, this is one of the highest positions of court that you could 
be in. Right. The privy chamber was the toilet. And the members of the privy chamber helped keep the king clean while he did his business. But you see the king in his most vulnerable state. Right. And so there has to be this insane level of trust. And you go with the king everywhere. Everywhere he goes. If he is off fighting a battle, you're with him. If he's visiting dignitaries, you're with him. I guess it's So this was a very... Very coveted position in Very court. coveted and shitty position. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, but this is important. So this means Thomas is one of Henry's most closest confidants. Um, and one of Catherine's distant cousins. Right. So, in 1540, Henry VIII noticed Catherine. And they began speaking of March of that year. So she was no more than 17. And he was almost 50. He was 49. Oh. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> oh. It's, it's no bueno. Um, he showered Catherine with gifts and jewelry. The Duke of Norfolk and the Dowager Duchess leapt at the opportunity and started killing, telling Catherine how to act to best please the king. And they may have consummated their relationship in May of that year, and they were not married until July of 1540. Openly affectionate toward Catherine, continued to shower her with gifts. They went on a six-month-long honeymoon around England. It's speculated that because of his health, like was mentioned before, he was impotent. Um, Like, he did have that crazy leg injury, which plagued him for the rest of his life. Um, And he also was extremely obese. Uh... Because he ate, like, so much food and could no longer exercise. Well, he used to be very athletic and he exercised all the time. But then he wasn't exercising anymore and eating all this food. So, yeah. All the documentaries just made so much mention of how big this man was. (laughs) And I was was getting to the point where it was rude, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) It's reported that he could not officially consummate his last three marriages, but it's weird because he did expect Catherine to become pregnant. So who knows what was really going on, but he had this rule where she would not be coronated as queen until she had produced a male heir. So she was known as queen consort. So that's just like given to a woman who's married to the king, but is not coronated as queen. Right. Uh, So, she may have had a miscarriage in 1541. Again, it's oh. not really known. Records are a little scattering. So she was very careful to never anger Henry. She was very skillful in her navigation of her role and his emotions. She only acted in ways that were appropriate for her status. Uh, she was also super compassionate towards his prisoners. She was kind towards all, and she even became friends with Anna of Cleves. Oh. Which was super unusual. Yeah. Uh, like, everyone expected her to be very cold towards the ex-wife, but now she was like, hey, we have something in common. Let's be friends now. <laughs> this dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she formed warm relationships with Elizabeth and Edward, who were, who were only seven and four at the time. In case you forgot, this hasn't been like 20 years that has passed. Elizabeth is Anne Boleyn's daughter, and she's seven. And then Edward is Jane Seymour's son. 
and he's only four. So this is only, this, they're still little. They're still very young. This has not been like 45 years <laughs> in between We're all on of this. wife number five. Yes. And Elizabeth was born at wife number two. Yes. And Elizabeth is seven. Yes. So there have been four wives in mm-hmm. seven years, mm-hmm. and two of those years he didn't marry. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, but by all accounts, uh, Catherine was a wonderful stepmother. Um, very warm, very endearing. Um, she tried to form a relationship with Mary who was not super open because she was older than Catherine. Ew. Yeah, I wouldn't be either, I don't think. <laughs> so Mary really disliked Catherine, and it was probably more due to Henry than anything that Catherine ever did to her. Probably. But this pissed off Catherine, and she's 17, so she has the emotional maturity of a 17-year-old. Yeah. Um, and she actually removed two of Mary's friends from her court. Well, that's rude. Yeah. So Henry's health had started improving in 1540, but in 1541, he had a really big decline in his health. And he would spend weeks in bed um, and not seeing Catherine at all. So he would write her letters, but he would refuse to see her. So she began seeking attention and comfort elsewhere, notably in Thomas Culpepper. They began sending her letters and gifts to each other. It's unclear if their relationship was ever physical. It's That's her cousin. Very distant, but yes, it's still her cousin. Um, <laughs> yeah, not great. But this was the 1500s. I know it. There's worse inbreeding than That's true. anything else. Yeah. But it's high, it is heavily speculated that they did have a sexual relationship. Um, but there's, it's debatable debated so additionally the royal court became swamped with her family members she was appointing positions left and right to her family members and francis dareham ended up getting you remember him uh he ended up getting a position in court and it's possible that he may have blackmailed her to get a position so Henry one day was given a letter accusing Catherine of premarital relations. So he ordered her to be on house arrest while there was an investigation going on. Henry Mannix jumps back into the picture. was like, uh, I know exactly what happened. I had a relationship with, I didn't sleep with her, but that guy definitely slept with her. <laughs> this dude needs to yeah, mind his sucks. own business. He sucks. He just mad because so, he couldn't have her. Yeah. So Francis Dareham admitted that he and Catherine did have a prior relationship and they were pre-contracted, which meant that they were going to get married. Under pain of torture, he admitted that he had not reignited their relationship because Catherine and Thomas Culpepper were involved. So Thomas Culpepper said that he and Catherine had not slept together, but they did, they were intending to. Catherine confirmed Dareham's story and that she right. and Francis were in a sexual re- relationship, but she denied that they were ever pre-contracted, which historians say didn't really make sense because if she had admitted to the pre-contract, Henry may have just annulled the marriage. Right. But she denied that, and she was accused of committing treason against the king. I 
think maybe she was pressured into saying that because mm-hmm. that would mean that he could do that to her. Well, and I think part what may have been is she's like, if I admit that we are pre-contracted, I know my marriage is over. Right. But maybe if I deny it, maybe it won't end this way, which unfortunately it did. That was not a good. It was not a good move because she was condemned. Unfortunately, she was condemned to death for treason. Oh, my God. Um, Francis and Thomas were also sentenced to death to die by hanging, drawing, and quartering. But Thomas's death sentence was commuted to beheading because of he and Henry's relationship. And beheading was a lot more merciful yeah. than hanging, drawing, and quartering. On the night of her death, she asked for the execution block to be sent to her so she could practice resting her head on it. Uh, okay. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and she was beheaded the next day. Wow. History overall has been very unkind to Catherine. There's a very misogynistic lens that her story is viewed in, especially her sexuality. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of modern historians say that the fixation on her sexuality has obscured who Catherine really was. She was a teenager who had been constantly exploited by older men in her life. Yeah, from the young age of like 12 to 15. Yeah. She was only about 19 when she died. And she was buried in an unmarked grave. Close to Anne Boleyn, actually. She was a child. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I told you, this one was a bummer. Yeah. (laughs) It's really sad. Poor Catherine Howard. Because uh, women in England only had about, like, five names to choose from, the last wife Mm -hmm. is Catherine Parr. So this is another... Third Catherine. Third Catherine. Third Catherine. And second... Wait, there were two Annes, right? There's Anne Boleyn and then Anna of Cleves. She's also known as Anna yeah. of Cleves. I use Anna to, uh-huh. like, distinguish a little bit more. And Anna was her German right. name. So there's Catherine, 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 Anne, yes. Anna, and Jane. No, but yes. Not in that order. Um, yes. The other names okay. are Elizabeth and Mary. Got it. <laughs> Those are, like, the only two other names. <laughs> <laughs> oh god you're right <laughs> Catherine Parr she was the sixth wife and the last wife so she was born around 1512 uh, she was the eldest child of Thomas Parr and Maud Green in London uh, her father held several positions in Henry's court and Maud was Catherine of Aragon's lady in waiting presumably not one of not one of Henry's <laughs> mistresses as far as I could find <laughs> she was not not on the table presumably um so her father died in 1517 um but Maud was like nope my children are going to be cared for they're going to be educated so Catherine and her sister were as educated as her brother William you know what I'm loving I'm loving the strong women trend that I'm seeing yes. here adore it Uh, Catherine was educated in multiple languages and dance. Uh, Their home basically became a finishing school, kind of like the Duchess, the the Dowager Duchess. Like, Maud was such an amazing teacher. Like, other nobles were sending their daughters to be educated by this woman. Like, she was fantastic. So when Catherine was 17, she was married to, she was arranged to marry 21-year-old Edward Burke in 1529. 
he died 1533 after an illness, unfortunately. Oh. So a year later, when she was 21, she married John Neville, who was twice her age. But by all accounts, it was a very happy marriage. Um, they were both very in love with each other. Uh, and okay. they did not have any children, though. So it was around this time when there was a lot of religious turmoil in England, which I'm not getting into a lot of detail about. But at one point, Catherine was held hostage in her own home by rebels in order to get her husband to like follow along with their demands. So after this happened, Catherine and her husband uh, came to appeal their collaboration, quote unquote, with the rebels mm-hmm. because it was under duress. And they want to be like, we're not with right. them. Like we did what they wanted because... They were holding us hostage, literally. And Henry was right. like, all right, cool. And so, and Catherine ended up forming a close relationship with Mary, uh, Henry's daughter. Uh, in 1542, Catherine made Thomas Seymour, who was Jane Seymour's brother. Because this is a okay, small I was say, world. Seymour sounds familiar. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> very small world. Uh, so Catherine's husband was in very poor health. Um, at this time and was expected to die. So she was looking at new prospects for marriage. Um, And a lot of men wanted to marry her because she was going to be loaded. I I wrote down, but then erased her husband's title he was like a duke or something or a count. Oh, okay. Um, It was just, it got really complicated. (laughs) Right. Um, Because like, this is his last name, but they're also called by like this name. I don't know. But when he died, like, she was going to be in possession of the entire estate. So she was going to be super rich. Right. She actually wanted to marry Thomas. But Henry got wind of Catherine, and he wanted to marry Catherine. So he promoted Thomas and sent him away. <laughs> he, Henry just can't let other people be happy, can no. he? So less than six months after her husband died, she and Henry married in 14, 1543. She was 31. At least she was a more appropriate yes, age. Yes, Not a, not all the way there, no. but it was better than 17. It, and that was something in the documentary I saw. It was a much closer age gap because he was right in his 50s at this time. And she was 31. So it was still a 20-year age gap, but she wasn't 17. You know, it wasn't like a 45-year right. age gap. Right. So... And this is complicated, too, because she didn't, she wasn't super keen on marrying him, but you can't refuse a king's proposal. Oh, wish you yeah. could. <laughs> uh, but she, she had a good relationship with Mary, and also Catherine of Aragon, the first queen, was Catherine Parr's godmother. Because remember, her mother was one of Catherine's ladies-in-waiting. Ah. Yeah. And so Catherine may have felt a sense of duty you know right by all accounts Catherine and Henry were really just close companions they were really good friends they had similar levels of intellect because for all of Henry's brutality he was a very intelligent person yeah it was well and they had friendly debates and a lot of conversations um and Henry really trusted her he appointed her to serve as regent in 1544 uh because Henry was like another fight with France because he hated France. And this was dumb because it wasted a bunch of time and energy and money that the crown did not have. But right. she did a good job, you know, <laughs> like she kept the kingdom together. And Catherine also acted as Henry's nurse, which was very different because typically 
he would not allow his wives in his sick chamber. And that might have been because of shame or, you know, whatever reasons. But he, again, he really trusted Catherine. um, And so she would come in and, like, help nurse him. But Catherine had her own agendas. (laughs) She's an intelligent woman. Okay. Um, And so, again, during this time, it's the Protestant Reformation. She wanted to keep it going. Like, she was a reformist. So she was, like, appointing religious reformers to positions in power, Um, And she was involved in how Elizabeth and Edward were educated um, and kind of getting them to lean more towards like Protestantism, which kind of annoyed Henry. Like he was like, so it's funny because Henry started out as a devout Catholic, loved Catholicism. And then all the stuff with his first wife happened and he was like, meh, but He was still kind of weird when it came to, like, the Reformation, which I'm not going to go into too much detail with. But she started publishing works based on her own beliefs and other people's writings. Um, And they were actually really popular. Like, she was a published author, Uh uh, which is really cool. And Henry was like, yeah, this is cool. Like, you're intelligent. You're well-spoken. But she started becoming more popular. And that annoyed him just a little bit. Not dangerously, but just Mm. enough to miss him a little bit. So she did have detractors that wanted her arrested, which pissed off Henry. He was like, wait, like, this is happening? All right, arrest my wife. But she's a very intelligent lady. And she was able to kind of say some things that, like, mollified Henry. She was like, I wasn't detracting against you. I was learning from you. You know, that kind of thing. Um, Yeah. Like, you're so intelligent, smart. And he was like, yeah, okay. We're, we're cool now. Yes, I am. <laughs> Appeal to his ego. Yes, she did. And it worked. In 1546, Henry VIII was extremely ill. He was having more and more complications with his leg. He finally died in January on January 28th, 1547, at the age of 55. Fun fact. Doctors were not able to tell him that he was dying because it was considered an act of treason to predict the king's death. <laughs> I don't even uh, so he couldn't even be like doc am I dying like, they couldn't say like, yes I don't know bro are you no <laughs> you're gonna pull you're... through as his leg is just literally <laughs> rotting from you're breathing inside. right now <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh, alright so Henry dies Thomas Seymour slides into Catherine dms faster than you can think oh i'm sure (laughs) he got promoted and then he got his woman back (laughs) yeah so they were secretly married in 1547 uh which was like in may of 1547 so it was only a few months after henry died yeah um that pissed off a lot of people including mary and mary and Catherine ended up having a falling out because of it oh which is really sad the year after her and Thomas married was one of the happiest of her life. They took in Elizabeth, Princess Elizabeth, and other yeah. noble girls to educate them. She was known as a dowager queen because um, she was a widowed queen. And she was super highly respected as an educator. Um, and she got pregnant for the first time. At 35. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, about halfway through the pregnancy, she discovered that Thomas was pursuing Elizabeth. Who was about 14 at the time. No. Yeah. He was actually a straight up predator and would try to come into her room at night when she was changing. 
and try to sexually assault her. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. He sucks. Really bad. Yeah. So, in 1548, Catherine found Thomas and Elizabeth, quote, in an embrace. Don't know what that means. And she immediately sent Elizabeth away. And it's debated whether it's to protect her, to try to save her marriage, both, either. Both. Not sure. Probably. I mean, I, I have so many things. I don't know. that It's just, yeah. wow. Yeah, it's really sad, honestly. Um, so Catherine ended up having a very difficult labor, um, and she died a week after her daughter was born. Um, and her daughter is named Mary after Henry's daughter. And then the next year, Thomas Seymour was executed for treason. Good. Bye. <laughs> Good. I mean, I hate that Mary doesn't have parents now, but I'm sure that she's better off without Thomas as her only parent. Yeah. Gross. Um, so Edward and Elizabeth were very influenced by Catherine because she had such a big role in their education and they were still really young, you know? And so she, and she made sure that all of his daughters were recognized in the line of succession. And eventually Edward, Mary and Elizabeth would all rule England in that order. And that is the end. That is the last of the six wives of Henry VIII. That's. It it was kind of a bummer. (laughs) It was kind of a bummer. I mean, Henry sucks. Yeah. Um, Anne Boleyn kind of, I kind of, she's giving me like homewrecker vibes. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. But I mean, granted, it seemed like at the time it was normal to just sleep around, I guess. Mm-hmm. Not that it wasn't but not frowned officially. upon. Yeah, not that it wasn't frowned upon. But it was just normal. I mean, every single one of these, except for the time he, quote-unquote, got catfished, they were all ladies in waiting. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. Like, like and... These weren't his only, like, mistresses. Like, he had so many mistresses. Most of them were ladies-in-waiting at some point or another. It's almost Because, like like I said, as crude as it is, it was like a buffet line that Henry could just be like, I want you, I want you, I want you. It's almost like if you got that job, if you got that position, that you were... It was almost like a... Ooh, if I'm gonna be the queen's lady in waiting, I've got a shot at the king. Yeah. If you're looking at it from like the woman's perspective. And I have a shot at being queen. Yeah. <laughs> if we think about statistically, four out of six were ladies in waiting to the queen at some point. Wow. That is just it. So we have Catherine of Aragon, who. Her portrait makes her look very much like she is just mad about everything, which she should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we've got Anne Boleyn, which I feel like I've heard her name more often in history than any of the others, except for Catherine. She is the most, I think she's the most famous and maybe the most notorious because it was her relationship with Henry and just Henry's need to get in her pants that sparked like 
the separation from the Catholic Church in England and the creation right. of the, the Church of England, which is still around. That's wild. And then we've got Jane Seymour, who that was just sad because mm-hmm. she passed away after childbirth. Mm-hmm. Then we've got Anna of Cleves, who just, I don't even know what to say about that marriage. She, no one knew what was going on there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's his shortest marriage. It was only six months. Yeah, but she had the best outcome. She just was married to him for six months, didn't have to have sex with him, and then lived a life of, like, privilege. Mm Mm-hmm. Didn't even have to have kids with him. Mm Mm-hmm. Does she have kids at all? Did she get married again? I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything about it. Um, Yeah, I didn't see anything about her getting married later on. Yeah. Then we've got Catherine Howard. Tragic. Tragic. Absolute tragedy. And then we've got Catherine Parr. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, I hope everyone... Like, it was so interesting to learn about who these women were are as individuals and i was really wanting to tell their story and who they were yeah um i found this really great documentary series on youtube called the people profiles um and that's where i got a lot of my deep dive information about each of the the women right and a little bit on henry and then there's this show on bbc called the secret lives of the tutors Mm on the first two episodes are about henry the eighth because it was really he started the Tudor dynasty. I mean, his father did technically, right. but he is the one that really like cemented it in history, I right. think. Um, and then a couple others, uh, Who Are the Six Wives of Henry VIII by Captivating History on YouTube. Uh, I watched the oversimplified video as well. Mm-hmm. It was fun. I didn't use anything from that video in my sources mm-hmm. or in my notes. Um, but it's a very brief overview and it more focuses on Henry the eight. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yep. That was this man. And, and he, just... he did a lot like, and I didn't go into a lot about who Henry the eighth was. And he was more than his marriage to his wives as right. well. Like he did a lot of really shitty things, but he also did a lot of like really neat things and really great things that are still in effect. Like there's something that he did and I can't remember what it was, but it's, it's like he like founded the idea of like national parks or something. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, we did discuss that he did have a heart deep down in there. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. Or at least Jane. Believe beneath his boner. <laughs> or his not working one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, thank you for sharing that. That was... You're welcome. I did not know everything like I said before it's like I just seem like to know about the first Catherine and then Anne and then after that it's just they don't talk about the other four that much yeah and especially Anne Boleyn because like I said she is so notorious it really drowns out all of the other wives right um I'll post all the pictures of the wives onto Instagram so you can see Mm -hmm. um I try to get 
like I'll try to get portraits that all look like they're made by sort of the same artist mm-hmm. but the quality of the portraits are so they differ so much between person to person yeah like like painter to painter yeah um I'll also post a picture of that clock that I mentioned in episode one because it's just absolutely beautiful oh, I can't get over cool. it <laughs> I want it so bad I want it so bad. Oh, it's so beautiful. So I'll post a picture of that too. Um, Yeah. And maybe at some point we'll cover the rest of the Tudors uh, because we have three monarchs that came from Henry. We have Edward, Mary, and Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was the most famous and she was a very beloved queen. Yeah. Um, She ruled for a long time. She did. But. Yeah, and I think Elizabeth was the last of the Tudors because I don't, not like, and this is kind of sad, like Henry really cemented the Tudor dynasty, but also ends with him because none of his children have had children. Wow. Yeah. So it kind of began and it ended with Henry VIII. Hmm. Sort of. His father yeah. did start it. Yeah. But. Yeah, but he, he definitely tried to carry it on and... I think, you know, with his obsession with the male heir. Yeah. And with his And none of his Yeah, with his ruthlessness. Yeah. I think kind of backfired on him a bit. Yeah. 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 He wanted a legacy. Well, he got one. <laughs> <laughs> Just not the way that he thought it would be. <laughs> nope. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we just were talking about Instagram. So you can follow us on Instagram at ill equipped history. I almost said at ill equipped podcast and that's <laughs> not right at ill equipped history. Uh, we also have a Gmail ill equipped history at gmail.com. No spaces, no dashes. If you have any recommendations or topics that you want us to hit, if we like them, we'll say, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll shout um, you out on the podcast too. We'll thank you for, Oh yes. For, for giving us the idea. Um, if you have any, yes. you know, constructive criticism, we're open to it. Yes, just be respectful, be kind, you know, if there's like, hey, you do, you guys do this thing, it's really annoying, that's not very helpful, but if you're like, hey, I think you would be better if, uh, like, this one little thing changed. And, uh, we're kind of petty, so (laughs) if you tell us we're being annoying, we might just do that more, so. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, also... Uh, in regards to your comment about shouting out, if you do not want us to shout out your name, let yeah. us know. Um, I respect privacy like so Absolutely. much. So I totally understand um, if you do not want your identity to be known. Yeah. Internet is full of freaks. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to dox you, I promise. We're not going to like tell them no. your address. <laughs> just, just your name. <laughs> <laughs> or if you would like a fake name yeah give us a give cool us a fake name you know yes thank you skeletor for your email <laughs> thank you I darth vader <laughs> <laughs> all right well thanks so much for listening yeah. hope you keep listening yeah and we'll uh, we'll see you bye next bye. week okay, bye <laughs>